Now, a good puppet is designed with a character that's evident. So you simply try to match a voice and a behavior and a thought process with what the puppet is. In the case of Bunsen Honeydew, I was building him. I built Bunsen and in the workshop and Jerry Nelson came in and looked at him and put him on. And he sort of talked in this little pinched voice like this. And I remember at the time thinking that was pretty good. And when Jim asked me to perform him, I just use that kind of a voice. There's something really deeply psychological about it, you know, that these people are little, they're little machines that represent parts of us, you know? And what we try to do is make it believable so that not only you, but we can buy into it. Hi-ho, and welcome once again to A Feat of Lunatic Daring, the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, Muppetational podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets. My name is Chad. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Jackson. Nick, I watched the first two episodes of the new Fraggle Rock today, and they are delightful. Oh, I didn't realize that was out already. I gotta track that down. Yeah, it just came on Apple Plus, and uh, it is bright and poppy and still in the same spirit, it's great to hear Dave Goals and Karen Prell back as a boober in red. And it is so in the spirit of the original. It, You know what it reminded me of a little bit, not shockingly, is uh, Age of Resistance. I could see that. Where all of a sudden, like, the world just has opened up quite a bit. It's still so faithful to Fraggle Rock while opening up the world, making it, uh, you know, br- updating it into the modern day. Hmm. It, it, it's really good so far and I'm really enjoying it. So congratulations to all the people that made that because I wasn't 100% on board, but now I am. This is a feed of Lunatic Daring. We're a podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you to check us out on social media at Lunatic Daring on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, lunaticdaring.com for all of our episodes, our watch list, and our bibliography. And please, if you get a chance, Uh, rate us on your podcast app of choice. That really helps if you just go in and get a little, you know, five stars, good, four stars, good, three star. I mean, come on, don't be stingy, but, uh, but you know, a little rating can help us get uh, a few more people listening to the show. Tonight, we are finishing up our season three of the Muppet show with our wrap up show. We do this every, at the end of every season, actually we're finishing our season, uh, where we look back on, uh, the year that we just, the season we just covered. And we, we create, uh, we do a, a, a top five, top five lists. And uh, we're just going to do that today. Sounds fun, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, as you had told me off the air, this was a tough, uh, this was a tough, these were tough lists to make. Yeah, uh, more so than the first two seasons, for sure. I don't even know if mine are right. <laughs> There's no such thing as right. All right, let's get started. Let's get this started. So our first category is best guest star. Uh, you can start. Who would you guess was my number five? Stallone. You got it, actually. <laughs> the ballroom was filled with fashion's throng. It shone with a thousand lights. And there was a woman who passed along the fairest of all the sights. A girl to her lover then softly cried, there's riches at her command. But she married for wealth and not for love, though she lives in a mansion grand. She's only a bird in a gilded cage, a beautiful sight to see, sight to see. Wow. (laughs) 
so I don't know what my expectations were going into Stallone's episode, but I kind of expected him, I would have expected him to be one of the people winking at the camera, but his comedy chops were solid and he played well with the Muppets. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He was very solid. Like, I, I don't want to damn it with false praise. He's a very middle of the road Muppet show guest, but he did exactly what he needed to do. I thought that was a really, like, it was a pleasant surprise. I, I didn't have high expectations going in. He was my number one honorable mention. Mm -hmm. So for my number five, I went with my heart. Nick, we are simple men. Oh, okay. I I, I think I can guess. So I couldn't decide between Cheryl Ladd or Raquel Welch. But for nostalgia's sake, I'm going to go with Raquel Welch. Cheryl Ladd was one of my honorable mentions. So I'm going to go with Raquel at number five. I can get all dressed up, go out and swing till 4 a.m. and then... it's a very classic episode. It's a very funny episode. It was formative for me as a child. It's truly a subjective pick, but I do think she does a really good job on her episode playing into and making fun of her sex symbol status. And I think it's probably the horniest episode of The Muppet Show ever. That's actually, that's debatable within this season, but we'll, we'll get back to that in a moment. All right, what's your number four? My number four is actually Lynn Redgrave. Nice, nice. I, there's, speaking of, there's something weirdly subversive about her because I was a little lukewarm to her at first, and then once she started going and we hit some of those later numbers, it was just, it was a really solid episode. I thought she was a great guest. Uh, she was. Again, honorable mention for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, she was great, and it helps that she's in a great episode. Mm -hmm. My number four was Pearl Bailey. That's a good pick. I thought she was a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> and um, ever since that episode, you know, I try to – I kind of like have been um, – these lists are kind of built on earworms, right? They're built on the bits and the jokes and the songs and the lines that have stuck with me since we've watched them, mm -hmm. right? That'll just randomly pop into my head. And that scene where her and Floyd sing together in her dressing room. That is a great scene. Walking, talking, moving, grooving with my baby. With my I'm going to take his hand. He'll take mine. Watch it, honey. Let me get this whole thing together. I will be the touch the tipsy woodsy in the good of the good old summertime and in the good old summertime. I'll be your tipsy woodsy in the good old summer, summer, summer. In the good old summertime, every once in a while, it just pops into my head. I've been turning to my kids and going, You know, Ralph, this don't make any sense at all. I thought she was really great, played well with the Muppets, and and, and had just a, a real good time. So if I were to ask you to guess my number three, what would you say? <laughs> um, Marissa Berenson. No, actually, but that is a good guess. It was actually Danny Kay. Nice. Nice. Okay. His closing number, the inchworm, I think was more sentimental and probably not the strongest note to leave out on. But with that being said, the rest of the episode just as a personality and also hearing about his bio outside of that. I liked him a lot and I would have loved to see him like if he'd been featured in a season before, I would have loved to see what they would have done with him in the Muppet movie. Oh, oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our evening today. We have this evening an international 
cooking festival and we will prepare something which my nephew, the Swedish chef, yep. he will, will talk to you in yep. just one minute. Yeah, that's But we call him Tom. Uh, no, that's a very good one. He may come up in another list for me. Hmm. Uh, my number three is Alice Cooper. Yeah. Embracing his persona while also poking fun at it. A very subversive casting choice at the time. It may seem corny to us now, but at the time it really was frightening for parents to <laughs> the idea that Alice Cooper would be on The Muppet Show. Mm. And and as a child, it was very frightening to me. It was an episode that frightened me as a kid. And um, I've since grown to love it. And uh, I love Alice in it. It's a great one. You know, when we do these both this best guest star, like we are, we are partially judging the episode as well. Mm-hmm. They have to play well against the the things that are there, but the Muppets are ripe for being played against. And Alice does a really good job. And and there's the number where he snuggled up with the monster mm-hmm. that turns out to be Piggy, <laughs> that is really creepy and cool. And then you know, just Welcome to My Nightmare is like a classic opener. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Uh, Alice is my number three. So for my number two, I actually had Leslie Ann Warren. Wow. All right. The thing is, it takes her a little bit to warm up, but especially featuring in that closing number and also just some of the things leading up to that point. She's, in fact, she's a chaos Muppet. Like, aren't you Link Hogthrob? (laughs) (laughs) I'm one of the stars of the show here. Uh, Perhaps you've admired me from afar. Uh, Well, um... I'd really rather admire you from near. What? Maybe while we dance? Oh, well, uh, uh, actually, I'm not much of a dancer, and, uh, and tonight's my night oh, to go bowling. Oh, oh, it's the last dance. It is? Last dance. Last chance for love. <clears throat> Yes, it's my last chance, romance, <laughs> tonight. I can absolutely see her being part of the cast as the persona that she brought to the show. And I, I thought she was a great addition. My number two is Gilda Radner. I don't know if I have to explain it. You don't. She She's one of my honorable mentions, but it was very hard to figure out where to fit her on the list. And I think that's like some sort of canceling out thing that just ended up bumping her to that point. She's Gilda Radner. And also uh, she's <laughs> really funny in her episode. She committed to the rogue adhesive. Yeah. Are. We're going to talk more about rogue adhesive later, <laughs> but, but yeah, she, she's very, she's very funny. The The final 10 minutes of that episode are just a hoot. Mm-hmm. She's one of the funniest people to ever live, and um, I think she shows that in her episode. So, if you had to guess who my number one was. I mean, is it Harry? It's not Harry. Okay. I told you I had to keep from double dipping. The question is, where did I put Harry? Uh, No, my number one was actually Marissa Berenson. Okay. Um, All right. She's... So, I I think the theme, the running theme as I got into my, I guess, my top three was that sort of presenting as innocent subversive thing. Cause even Danny Kay had a little bit of that in him where he started giving Miss Piggy a little bit of grief, but like the, the innocent faced subversive was kind of my running thing for the season. And Marissa topped that out with trying to get Miss Piggy into the corset. Marissa. Yes, dear. Would you be a dear? Would you loosen me up? Well, of course. Yes, dear. That's it. Tighter, dear. Tighter? Mm-hmm. Tighter. 
tighter. I gotta go down three sizes. I'm going to an awful lot of trouble. How long does this sketch last? Till death do us part. <laughs> All right, now listen, kid. Uh, just on the oh. count of three, pull. Ready? One, two, three. <gasps> oh, Marisa, you're wanted on stage in a minute. Oh, my goodness, I've got to get dressed. Here, hold these. <laughs> Or that final number, all she was amazing on that episode. You're always welcome is probably eternally going to be one of. It doesn't make my list, which is why I'm okay mentioning it right now because I didn't want to double dip. But you're always welcome is one of my all time favorite Muppet things. Period. Don't worry, we're going to get a chance to talk about it later. Sounds good. My number one, obviously, is Harry Belafonte mm-hmm. because well, one because of how highly I esteemed that episode and how. Um, impressed I am of him as a man. I knew a lot about him before I did the research on him. I learned even more and, uh, wow. <laughs> um, what, what a, what a human being. Dale! 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 Do it all together? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Here we go. All right. We said that, 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 yeah, yeah, you. We said that, we said that, we said that, we said that, but also, uh, one of the reasons, the reason I wanted to give him number one was because more than any guest star probably in the entire history of the show, in the whole five years of the show, no guest star was more collaborative with Jim and Jerry and the other puppeteers. No one was as collaborative in making his episode come to life as Harry Belafonte was. So he was kind of, he was more than a guest star. He was a collaborator. And uh, for that, I think he, and because that episode is so good, and he helped make it, to me, it makes him the best guest star. He is very good. You actually hit all of my honorable mentions, except for one. Who? Uh, Leo Sayer. Yeah, he was an interesting one, because that was our first, I like, like disco. I like Leo Sayer. <laughs> he was game for it. He was great. I I put yeah. Richard Pryor on mine, because I wasn't sure, like, a cameo, I guess. I was sort of bending the rules on that, but I, I mentioned oh, the Oh, in the Muppet movie. Yeah. Right, right. But Gilda and Cheryl were, it was, it was tough to split. And try to sort of balance out my top five. The three notables were Gilda, Cheryl, and Richard. You make me feel like dancing gets stuck in my head every once in a while. It's an earworm. It just does. It is. You've got a cute way of talking. You've got the better of me. Just snap your fingers and I'm walking. Like a dog hanging on your lead. I'm in a spin, you know, shaking on a string, you know. You make me feel like dancing. I wanna dance the night away. You make me feel like dancing. I wanna dance the night away. You make me feel like dancing. I feel like dancing, woo, dancing. Dance the night away. I feel like dancing, woo, dancing. The next category is, and we have to be very specific about this, best musical moment that is not the rainbow connection. 
my heart there's so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side rainbows are visions but only illusions and rainbows have nothing to hide because the rainbow connection is iconic and it's immortal and it's just not even worth talking about in that sense <laughs> honestly any list without it at the top would probably be foolish so we're going to we're going to say uh, the best musical moment that is not the rainbow connection i'm going to go first and i'm going to dip right back into that well though and i'm going to say moving right along ooh that's my number 5 that's your number 5 that's my number 5 yeah i i love that song uh talk about earworms talk about songs that that's a song that has been stuck in my head for for 40 years not just like you know since i watched the movie recently or someone reminded me of it I mean, that song has been stuck in my head every time I pull out in an automobile to go on a car trip that's longer than 45 minutes. <laughs> and just that entire sequence of them driving, it's the its the most joyous that movie ever gets. Yeah. And, and the most kind of upbeat. And um, and I, I really enjoy the hell out of it. So my number five was Hey There Good Times from episode 318 with Leslie Uggams. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. She's she's an interesting guest because, well, I had issues with her comedic chops, but her voice yeah, was captivating. Like I could, I think I said it on the episode. I could hear her listen, or I could hear her listen. I could listen to her sing for a month straight and not get tired of it. She has an incredible voice. Uh, I just edited that episode, and we mentioned her voice so it, it, no no fewer than six or seven times. I mean, that's fitting though. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, incredible. Absolutely. absolutely. No, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I didn't think you were going to do Leslie because I knew we were kind of lukewarm on the episode. But uh, but you're right. She sounds fantastic. My number four is Stayin' Alive. From uh, the Helen Ready episode, mm-hmm. it's Marie Antoinette singing "Staying Alive" in yeah. Versailles. It ends with a shot of a guillotine. The only way that would have been improved would have been for them to just start disappearing pigs partway through. I don't know what else you want in life <laughs> other than this sketch. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, are you not entertained? <laughs> I don't know what. I mean, it's so it's so funny. It, you know, it's a classic disco song. It's performed well with all the pigs and with Frank leading the way. And then it's just got this dark, dark undertone that they then turn into, uh, um, that they bring to the front at the very end with the guillotine. And it's so sublimely dark um, Mm. while also being, you know, danceable. (laughs) It's danceably dark. So my number four, which might also surprise you given how much we uh, opined about this particular episode, but the rendition of America from 317. Okay, yeah. I thought yeah. that was really well done. It was fun. It was not bright enough to eclipse all of the crap in the episode, but still, it doesn't seem fair to let them bury that. It's the mayhem. The mayhem is very good at what they do, but it was a really nice edition of it. My number three is You're Always Welcome at Our House. <laughs> Him up inside the basement and the wall. But you're always 
that was one of my honorable mentions, but just because I didn't want to keep double dipping with Marissa. Speaking of sublimely dark. Uh-huh. I love that so much. She, she She's keeping a kid in her basement. <laughs> oh, it just keeps progressing, too. It keeps getting worse. So the song is real crazy, but then visualizing it just makes it so much worse. But the second you see her grill, like the second she smiles and you see those metal teeth, I was just like, this is, this is sublime. This is amazing. <laughs> it was my, my favorite, like funny song of the year, funny musical moment of the year. I guess I just like it when they go kind of dark. <laughs> oh yeah. It's great. Um, my number three was actually row, row, row from the Elky episode, which was 319 because I am a dirty old man in training descended from a long line of dirty old men. And that song is entirely double entendres. Young Johnny Jonesy had a cute little boat And all the girlies he would take for a float He had girlies on the shore Sweet little peaches by the school But Johnny was a Weisenheimer, you know His steady girl was Flo And every Sunday afternoon To jump in his boat and they would spoon and also it caught it came out of left field because i think it's like an old dance hall song too and it's not it's not subtle at all like usually you'll have some sort of ethan from donuts and pickles super buried symbolism type of thing no they were just like let's see how far we can go with this whole so your wild oats thing is that the one where Beauregard is trying to fix the ship while they're doing it? Yeah. So my number two was actually mentioned already, uh, but Staying Alive was definitely up there. Okay. All right. I, I figured you would have it somewhere. <laughs> I figured you'd have it somewhere. You understand my sense of humor. My number two, I'm cheating. It's Turn the, wor- it's turn the World Around slash Deo. Please don't make me choose. I'm not going to. It's so like, so most of the difficulty in making these lists was not double dipping. Harry was the biggest temptation. Yeah, I went with it. <laughs> I went with, it. but uh, and I I admire your uh, conviction of not wanting to double dip. It's like not wanting to overuse Madeline Kahn. It's difficult. If I had to go with my heart, I'd pick Deo uh, because it is uh, it is very special around my house. <laughs> it is one of my wife's favorite things ever. Hmm. It goes like my children. The banana boat sketch and then the dogs and the probably me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also incredibly funny. Just like incredibly funny. It's a great bit. But Turn the World Around is also a very important song and makes that episode feel important and uh, gives it a theme and a weight to it that most episodes don't. And a, and a, and a, a song that and a sketch that I mentioned in the in our episode I think fundamentally changed me as a person when I was a kid, just as much as Raquel Welch and, you know, <laughs> Rita Moreno did. Just in different ways. Just in different ways. All right, what's your number one? Try not to judge me too poorly, but moving right along was actually my number one. Ah, I'm not judging you poorly at all. It's catchy. It's a solid song. It's also 
I don't, I can't think of other songs that fit this so well, but it's a very easy song to riff on. Like if you're in the car with your kids and they just start making up lyrics, it's still going to make sense. But it's, it's a great song. It's a great sing-along song. It's, it's kind of like Sunshine in a Bottle. It's just a great, I, I loved it. I'm going to stay with the Muppet movie because hmm. my number one is one of my favorite songs ever. Not in the Muppet, Muppets, just one of my favorite songs. And that's, I'm going to go back there someday. Hmm. This looks familiar, vaguely familiar, almost unreal yet. It's too soon to feel yet close to my soul and yet so far away. I'm going to go back there someday. Sung by Gonzo the Great. It's the moment, you know, it's it's the low point in the movie. It's the belly of the beast moment in the in the Muppet movie, I guess. It's it's as close to the to the to a nadir that they get. Gonzo just it's not the song you expect from Gonzo in that moment. Like if you're just watching that movie and Gonzo's the the weird creepoid, when he hits that moment, it's it 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 hits you harder, I guess. Like if 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 that song had come from Kermit. I don't think it actually has the impact if it, as it does coming from Gonzo. I can see that. Um, the melancholy of it. And it's just a song that I happen to find Paul Williams' words um, very beautiful. There's not a word yet for old friends who've just met. Part heaven, part space. Or have I found my place? You can just visit, but I plan to stay. I'm going to go back there someday. It's not a surprise that we both ended up with number ones from the Muppet movie. Yeah, it's and then and then you throw you throw a Rainbow Connection on top of that, <laughs> you know and. Paul Williams was really good at what he does. Did you have any honorable mentions in your music? Oh, yeah, but I need you not to judge me too harshly. I have a lot. You're always welcome and turn the world around. We're there, but I didn't put them in for double dipping. Sally yeah. was a good old girl for much the same reason that Roro <laughs> Ro was there. And yeah. I know it's a problematic song. I understand why yeah. it's problematic. That's exactly why I'm laughing at it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just wild about Harry because, <laughs> again, there's something... Something going on with Gene. Yeah, there's, there's something, something going very on with Gene. <laughs> I had The Show Must Go On, which was Leo Sayers' middle number, where mm. he emoted so hard and then, like, danced with a mime. <laughs> yeah. I had another – I had a Roy Clark one, but I had Rocky Top. Mm -hmm. I really loved the uh, the way they did it with the four different instruments and him, him playing all four instruments and coming together. Mm. And the just the, the, set, the camera direction was really good, too, because he was always looking in the right place. Kermit and Gonzo singing Sentimental Journey on their little train car thing. Gonna make a sentimental journey to renew old memories. Forget about renewing your memories. Worry about renewing your contract. Got my bag. I got my reservation. We're gonna have a sprained back by the time this is over. Like a child wild anticipation long to hear that 
all aboard. Seven! Seven! That's the time we leave at seven! Seven! I'll be waiting up for heaven! Take it! I'm counting every mile of railroad track. Oh, I'm sorry. Big finish. Never thought my heart could be so yearning. Why did I decide to roam? Gonna take a sentimental journey. Sentimental journey home. Um, baby, it's me with Raquel Welch. Uh, I enjoy being a girl with Cheryl Ladd. That was a really good one. Poor Kermit, though. And then the other one I had was In the Good Old Summertime with Pearl Bailey and Floyd. So now we now we do, then what we do next is we do basically our best comedic moments, gags, or storylines, right? These are the things that aren't musical numbers hmm. that we just want to point out that we thought were especially funny or, or, or clever or creative or something, but that don't have anything to do with music. My number five is Can I Bring a Friend? Um, this is the moment when Fozzie Bear is confronted for the first time with actual human sexuality. Oh! I was by wondering Raquel what you're talking Welch. about. Like yeah. Raquel Welch. It's no fun. Oh, Raquel! Oh, I feel so confident now! You've made a complete bear out of me! Oh, yes! Yes! Um, Fozzie... Yes, uh, sweetheart! Do you, do you think there's a... Yes, baby, say it! Well, even the slightest possibility that... Yes! You might want to go to my dressing room and have a cup of tea. You and me. Could I bring a friend? And he just wilts and asks if he can bring a friend. Perfect, perfect payoff for that scene. Mine was actually, I think it was the first Muppet melodrama. It's weird to think about how long the season's been running, because I almost thought this was part of season two. But uh, Uncle Dudley and Link... Or not Uncle Deadly and Link. Uncle Deadly and Wayne are trying to save yeah. Piggy. Oh, no, no. Right, right. Wayne's saving Piggy from Uncle Deadly. Never fear, my pet. I will save you. <laughs> Wayne? This is foiled again. Say, isn't this a double overhand knot? What? Uh, yes, it is. I haven't seen one of those since I left the Junior Swamp Scouts. You were in the Junior Swamp Scouts, too? Troop 37? Troop 37? Junior Swamp Scouts never blew. A Junior Swamp Scouts always true. Yes. Uh, as a train's coming, and then Piggy just eventually takes the tracks up herself. Well, they bond a little bit. And it's nice to see, you know, Wayne and Uncle Dudley being humanized a little. Yeah. Yeah, they were both, like, in the Boy Scouts together, and they know famous tap dancers or something. Yeah. They have a lot in common. Uh, my number four was Rogue Adhesive. Yeah, that's a great... That was so good. Starting with Gilda Radner on... This is a kind of cheating, because this also includes Tap Your Troubles Away hmm. as as the final musical number as part of it. I mean, I'm going to double dip on this one, too. I I wanted to avoid... Or not with this particular bit, but in this category, it's it's impossible to avoid forever. When Gilda gets the adhesive on her in the lab... And then just starts accruing things like, what was that video game? Kamigachi? Uh, Katamari. Katamari. Katiga Katam that, yeah, that video game Katamari, um, where you just roll up the whole world in a ball. Mm -hmm. uh, it reminded me a lot of that. Um, and uh, it plays into a great musical number that is, in my defense, probably more comedy than music. 
<laughs> my number four is actually because we're never going to be able to mention him on the show proper, but Mel Brooks is seen in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. he, it's Mel Brooks. <laughs> now we take your friend, the little F O R G, put him in the chair, clamp on the terminals, drop the electronic yamaka and throw what we call in German, the switch. <laughs> yes, you little green devil, soon it'll be a hot time with the old skull tonight. <laughs> Thank you, hair machine. Yeah. He did no. yeah. everything he was supposed to do and significantly more, but sold the hell out of it. Um, and of course, he would play a Nazi doctor, but... Of course he would. Who <laughs> was not a Nazi in the script. <laughs> not a Nazi in the script. When you're Mel Brooks, you show up as a Nazi doctor. Uh, I'm going to piggyback onto that because my number three is Steve Martin in the Muppet movie. Uh-huh. May I help you? Uh, uh, the uh, the wine, please. Oh, you mad impetuous thing. It's champagne. Not exactly. Sparkling Muscatel. One of the finest wines of Idaho. Uh, uh, well, you may serve us now, please. Oh, May I? Look how he does that. Yeah. Very suave. Don't you want to smell the bottle cap? Oh, oh. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Smells good. Mm, Yes. Would you like to taste it first? Well, uh... Uh, would you taste it for us, please? Excellent choice. With the 95 cent bottle of wine and the sniffing of the bottle cap and uh, the would entire. The entire date sequence um, is one of my favorite scenes in the Muppet movie. And I think Steve Martin just is so funny in it. So for my number three, I had Fozzie saves the day on Bear Patrol in 322 when uh, Link's hiding under the desk. And <laughs> like it's the only time Bear on Patrol actually gets any sort of a win. But yeah, yeah Patrol it, Bear has it rough. <laughs> it was a great bit. Yeah, it was. Oh, a Black Bart, right? Isn't that mm -hmm. what it was? It was the, uh, the gunslinger coming like to town. That. Can't yeah. remember the outlaw's name. Oh, that's the one where Link just punches Fozzie in the yep. face. From under the table. <laughs> that's right. He just decks him in the face. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. My number two is just the Robin Hood episode. Oh, sir, Robin Hood, thou didst smite him mightily on the pate. Aha. Uh, I believe that's Pate. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, but uh, good men of Sherwood Forest, hmm. we must now sneak away and rescue the Maid Marian. Snake and rescue. Rescue. We must go. Hushily. From the cavorting to the torture scene to the to swashbuckling Kermit. Um, uh, Gonzo was the sheriff. Like, um, that's just the concept of the, of the Robin Hood. I would like to give a shout out to one concept episode. And that's the one that I enjoyed the most. This is the, f not the, f this is the first time they've done. I think this is the first time they dedicated an entire episode to a production. We're putting on a show for you mm -hmm. and we're doing the story of Robin Hood. 
and um and we're gonna get a couple of more a couple more of those uh in the future but uh yeah just just the robin hood runner basically number two uh actually i'm gonna have to say it's a fetal lunatic daring that's not me referencing the show but i mean incidentally it is from episode 315 right. but that entire runner good evening ladies and gentlemen this evening, I will perform a feat of lunatic daring. Before your very eyes, I will ride this motorcycle up this ramp and jump directly into that box, landing safely between those two elderly gentlemen. What? Oh, I can assure you, you'll be in no danger. You're right. We'll be in Chicago. <laughs> For their own safety, uh, while they were dozing, I took the precaution of chaining them to their chairs. <laughs> On my mark. Get set. Go. And the way that they timed everything from Gonzo not being able to wait for them to lift the curtains before he made a second <laughs> attempt. And like seeing that little... <laughs> remote control motorcycle running by with a floppy gonzo on it it's just the entire bit chaining up statler and waldorf all oh, the yeah, rest of it, it goes was, out the back door yeah it would have been so easy for that to go sideways and it just it went perfectly it was great yeah no it uh really good um my number one is leggies and jungle funds leggies and jungle funds leggies and jungle funds all right so my typing is bad Ladies and jungle funds, welcome again, Tithy Mupple Shocks. Uh, my name is Kermit the Forg. The Forg? Come on, pick up the pace. Here we go. And our special guest step is the amazing Harry Belafonte. That's Harry Belafonte, folks. Kermit, your timing must be off. You should be getting big laughs with that stuff. Ah! <laughs> That entire opening monologue, that is Belafonte again, I know, but that entire opening monologue that that Fozzie has written for Kermit is, to me, the funniest moment of the year. My number one is me double-dipping, and I hope you'll forgive me for it, but I resisted for a while. I, I basically made it halfway. But Beaker and Beauregard having to team up to put things together, everything from, like, <laughs> Beauregard wanting Beaker to trust him with a hammer to... <laughs> That's a great moment. Beaker going all Patrick Bateman at the end of the episode when he's got the chainsaw, it's just... <laughs> I, I loved it so much. Beaker with the chainsaws on my honorable mentions. Beaker with the chainsaw is totally on my honorable mentions. <laughs> you don't know if he's holding it with determination or fear. It's probably both. I, I think he's got total control over that thing. <laughs> it's his time to shine. Yeah, I, I think he's just like, you know what? Screw you people. I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. My honorable mentions included uh, Danny Kaye as the chef's uncle. That was great. Cluckitis. I thought Cluckitis was funny. Um, the, st the train station kind of uh, concept. The Dissolvatron. <laughs> Good stuff. I So I kept going over pigs in space things and like almost putting them on. And I I couldn't figure out which one I would have wanted to put. Edible paper clips. Just <laughs> nose always, falls off. I always like that one. Yeah, because his nose falls off. Uh, and then just Bear on Patrol in general. It's been mm -hmm. nice to see Bear on Patrol joining the party. I mean, you, you brought up Muppets in Space, but I wanted to specifically reference the one where they go to Coosbane. Oh, yeah, this is a good one, too. But just... <laughs> Some one where Link jumps up to Piggy's arms. Yeah. You see his little feet. <laughs> it's very funny. And then also uh, Gonzo's courtship with, I guess it would be a hay fever allergy. But the second <laughs> you see her go flying in that window for uh, the Muppet Labs bit, I lost my shit. 
All right. Our next category is WTF slash nightmare fuel. What are things that bothered us? What were things that surprised us? What were things that just kind of creeped us out? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll start. Um, my number five is Gonzo and Big Bird. Fair. Absolutely did not, fair. Did not care for it. A lot of discomfort. Did not, ca- did not care for it. Did not care for Gonzo's attraction to Big Bird. Did not care for Big Bird's being six years old. I didn't care for any of the Gonzo's into Big Bird. And I'm going to tell you this. When I was a child, I didn't like it either. Hmm. Did not like it either. My number five is actually Kermit making a reference to lynching in episode 303. Oof, and I know it was yeah. a throwaway thing, but it was just one of the things. I don't want to hear that word in Jim's voice. My number four is uh, when Annie Sue is singing a song called Daddy Wouldn't Buy Me a Bow Wow. And Rolf complains about it. And a very large, tough-looking pig emerges from the shadows and says... I can't go on. It's humiliating to be called a bow wow. But it's only a song, Ross. I refuse to do it, Miss oh. Oink Oink. <laughs> Sing, flea bait. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> what the hell's going on there? <laughs> um, I think we settled on Mob Princess. Yeah, I think that was where I landed with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where we settled on that one. But uh, just that moment of, like, out of nowhere, this pig just showing up and being like, hey, you, you don't mess with my lady. <laughs> my number four was just Gladys as a concept. Yeah, my number three is Gladys slash Canteen. And, I mean, it disappears partway through, but she's equal parts the slug lady from Monsters, Inc. And so many animatronic horror figures that I saw at an early age that are just about to take a bite out of someone. Deeply unpleasant. Yeah, like I said, I, that's my number three is Gladys and slash the Canteen. It, it, does ne- it doesn't come back after the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it just never quite worked. And, and it's it's so weird, though, because you have this entire set that they built, but the set only exists to showcase one character, really. Like, you can put the other characters in it, but the, the set exists because Gladys exists. And when Gladys doesn't work, then the set becomes useless. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 I definitely was, uh, that definitely made my list. So, if you had to guess what my number three was, what would you say? Piggy Psycho Eyes? You know, that's an honorable mention. I, but okay. I already mentioned the whole Mel Brooks scene, but yeah, no, that was terrifying. But no, it's actually the stalagmite thing from 307. I think that was the Alice Cooper episode, but that weird sort yeah. of like... Oh, I've never known a toothache this bad before. He's never known a toothache this bad before. It's like having toothache all over my body. It's like having toothache all over his body. And another thing... And another thing... I keep hearing voices. And what's worse, and what's what's worse, worse, the echo is often incorrect. And sometimes, and sometimes it says what I'm going to say before I said it. It says what I'm going to say. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, none of this is helping my toothache. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's pure nightmare fuel. That's just, you can't get out of this. Freddy Krueger's coming around the corner and... It's also a big what the fuck. Yeah, just entirely. (laughs) The guy next it. I can dig it. So, wait, did we skip your number four? Your number four was my number three, so that's why we went straight to your number three. So now it's my number two. My number two is, why is Kermit wear a swim cap? Fair. Um, Just don't, I just don't get it. It's dumb. It's just real dumb. Why would Kermit (laughs) ever wear a swim cap? It's been haunting me ever since. Like, you're a freaking frog he doesn't want to mess up his hair so my number two is the baby muppets in general 
I thought you were going to get to the babies. <laughs> so the thing about the babies is I'm conflicted because on one hand, they're terrifying. And on the other hand, I just have this urge to make sure they're like the Roy Rogers episode stressed me the hell out. Cause I'm like, that baby's about to die and that's not okay. And she's just sitting here like, I want to adopt this child. I'm like, you sound like the person that was clearly based on Nancy Reagan and people under the stairs. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. I can't remember the character's name. Yeah, yeah, no, it was with, with Ranger, it was with Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. Not Gene Autry. And Gene Evans. Roy Rogers and Gene Autry would be a completely different story. It would be very broke back. That would be hilarious to see that made. Just a broke back mountain version starring Roy Rogers and, and, and Gene Autry. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody get Ang Lee on the phone. I'm willing to bet that we've got the same number one. Spike Milligan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just the whole episode. Yeah. Just like Spike Milligan is a concept. Just. <laughs> just as an abstract concept. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I reject the abstract concept that is Spike Milligan. <laughs> Pretty much. But it's not just Spike. It's the whole episode, though. It's the whole episode, but it's, it's exacerbated by him. Cause it's like, it's weird. Sometimes you'll see hosts that don't really integrate with the episode, but he kind of integrates with it perfectly a little too well while simultaneously still being very discordant. Yeah. But that episode also has the, the Japanese Muppets, which are just a bad choice, <laughs> just a bad decision. And, uh, and all of the international stuff, the, the witch doctor and all that stuff, that, that, that episode is just a, a nightmare from start to finish. And as you've said many times, it's the worst episode we've watched. And I hope it stays that way. Yeah. <laughs> There is a part of me that would be very morbidly fascinated to find out that there was a more racist episode, but it would also probably make me sad. Do you have any honorable mentions? Well, I had the baby, the babies for sure. Mm. Especially that one with the ukulele. The little Chucky baby with like the yeah, red hair and the very mean expression. Um, the pure darkness in the soul of Marvin Suggs. I didn't know where to put Marvin Suggs. I, I can't remember what episode it's from, but he cut in for Rolf and just sort of surprised the guest. I think it might have been, it wasn't Marissa Burns, and it, it might have been uh, Leslie Ann Warren. I believe it was, yeah. But he comes in, and he's like, I'm going to be accompanying you. And she's like, I was looking for Rolf. And then the Muppaphone is just sitting there like, help us. And you see, she's probably one of the first people that's been actively concerned for the Muppaphones. There are two different Muppaphone bits in this season. One where Kermit asks, what do you do when the Muppaphones go flat? And Marvin goes, I don't think you want to know. And there's a later one when Leslie Ann Warren says, how can you hit living creatures like that? He's like, why not? You cannot make noise from dead creatures <laughs> because you know he's tried. That's easily not the worst thing he's tried. I still want to see Lin-Manuel Miranda doing a live action version of Marvin Suggs. He would be so perfect. <laughs> he, you know that he would chew every piece of scenery <laughs> it would be so that he good. possibly could for that role. And he'd be able to do it without opening his mouth once my honorable mention was seeing statler and waldorf turn into possums on episode 321 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just yeah. a little out of left field a little out of left field a little creepy all right so our, our, our final category is um our we do our top five favorite characters what characters have kind of you know won their way into our hearts um cumulatively you know, over the last few seasons and, and through the movie and stuff. And, um, and where, where are basically like on our rankings of our five favorite characters, where are we sitting now? You know, especially considering what we saw in the third season. So my number five was actually Link. Okay. So Link is an amazing character. I don't know if I would ever want to spend a particularly large amount of time with him, but seeing the way he was used, seeing, seeing Link uncomfortable is weirdly endearing. And he was he was great this season. 
more on that in a minute. Uh, my number five was Floyd. Floyd won me over this year. He was good. I love his over it attitude. Uh, I loved his um, his scene with Pearl Bailey, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I really uh, there's the episode where him and Janice are in the balcony heckling. That's uh, Danny Kay. Yeah, with Danny Kay. Um, I've just really enjoyed. Plus, I wanted to give uh, the great Jerry Nelson a little shout out. These lists are usually made up of Frank and and Jim characters, and I wanted to make sure that uh, that Jerry Nelson got a shout out this year because Floyd is a really really great character. He's stoned all the time. Oh yeah, he hasn't been sober longer than I've been alive. My number four is actually Kermit. Um, he's he's eclipsed a little bit this season, off and on. But seeing him in the movie, seeing him take the lead, seeing him in the Robin Hood episode in particular. I, you, you can't not. Oh, he's so Kermit. good in the Robin Hood episode. Froggy got a quarter staff. I mean, you can't go wrong with Kermit the Frog. My number four is Link Hogthrob because he's the worst. <laughs> he's just the worst. And we found out he's probably gay. Well, I mean, that's not. That makes me like him even more. But uh, no, he he's just the worst. And we got to see a little bit of his personal life with Leslie and Warren. And um, he's just. Listen, I've known some actors like him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So for number number three, I actually had the Muppet Newsman. And there's something. So I'm always going to feel bad for him because I feel like he's probably the most sane man on the show. Kermit likes to think that he is. But it is absolutely the Muppet Newsman who's got like a mortgage that he's paying off. And apparently the one thing that the Muppet Show pays in is decent health insurance. We hope. We hope. <laughs> But seeing him in different settings, whether he's in the news booth while they're at the train station, or he's the town crier in the Robin Hood episode, he was... I, I love the Muppet Newsman. He was great as the town crier. My number three is still going to be Miss Piggy Lee. Much like Link, she is the worst. <laughs> and that's why I love her. I think I just like the characters that are assholes. She's the star of the show at this point, um, if you were watching it in the seventies that she's the star of the show. I think she earns it. The contradictions in piggy, the fact that she is all these terrible things, but she's really bad at all the terrible things. And she's good at like, she's actually good at being like an entertainer and being nice, but all the diva stuff she's real awful at. And, and there's something endearing about someone who has like, you know, who, who, who can't be evil correctly. (laughs) Um, She can be violent. She she can be violent, that's true, but, you know, there's a catharsis with her violence, and usually, usually the men deserve it, at least in some way. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still, if you would have asked five-year-old me, I would have said no way, but uh, no, I'm on the piggy train. So, who did, who did you guess was my number two? Gonzo. Interesting guess. It's actually Beaker. Uh, okay, all right. Beaker, so... I'm probably not the first or the 50th person to draw a comparison between Beaker and Kenny McCormick, but Beaker this season in particular, you just see him want to stand up for himself so badly. And if you've ever worked in customer or food service, there's always that one person on staff, usually like a middle manager, if there are multiple managers who is just disgusted and fed up with the entire establishment, but also hates change. And I feel like that's just going to be Beaker. Beaker is going to still be there. In 60 years, working with Bunsen Honeydew, hating every second of it, but also trusting the devil he knows over the devil he doesn't know. 
He just wanted college credit, Nick. We all wanted college credit, Chad. <laughs> he just wanted some college credit, and look at what it's gotten him. His freaking nose fell off. He got the nose back. He also got a chainsaw at some point, and more than a few concussions. My number two slipping down from my number one spot is Fozzie. He's still great. He's still Frank Oz. Uh, he had plenty of great storylines this year, like with the Rocky Welch thing, like when uh, Fozzie's fire, <laughs> when he's running the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fozzie, uh, right, he, he, or, yeah, when he's running the show, then there's the episode, of course, where he's writing the show, uh, the Belafonte one. Fozzie just continues to be a character that I am happy. And he got his own, he got his own running series. He got Patrol Bear. He got he got Baron Patrol this year, um, which is going to get him, which is nice because it teams him up with one of my other favorite characters in Link. And it's good to see Frank and Jim interacting as well. Yeah, it, yeah, and, and it's a different Frank Jim combination of characters. So it's your number one, Gonzo. It absolutely is. Me too. Me too. He was great this year. He, he has finally arrived. I feel like we like we see him arrive around the end of season two, but. To see him just operating in his element, it's great. I Gonzo's amazing. And don't forget him in the movie, too. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he's going to go to Bollywood and become a movie <laughs> become star. Become a movie star. So he can do it the hard way. Yeah, they're all... Um, if, you, if you take into account the movie as well, that really does a lot for Gonzo's character. But I think um, Dave Goals just shows... You know, Dave Goals, got to remember, is a guy who worked in the workshop who did not want to be a puppeteer. Did not want to do it at all just wanted to make puppets and and make stuff. And Henson can, you know, eventually just said, you're going to do this. And you can tell, you know, he's has a, a slower start with Gonzo in that first season. But at this point and Dave goals, you know, it's it, important to point out is the only one of the original Muppet performers that is still performing. Hmm. He is, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he is doing a voice on, he's doing two voices on, the Fraggle Rock thing, and he he worked on the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance too. He's still Gonzo. He still plays Gonzo in Muppet things. So he just really came into his own. And listen, Gonzo is my favorite Muppet. It just took him a couple of seasons to climb up the ladder because it took him a couple of seasons to become who he would become. But you know, the moment before they <laughs> they go out to do the 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 Camelot sketch, and they ask Gonzo. I think it's Janice asked Gonzo, "Is this going to work?" And he's like, "Absolutely not," or whatever it is. Or no, he's like, "Is this going to work?" He's like, "No, isn't it great?" Um, his his love of failure, his his lunatic daring. Um, uh, it's he's he's Gonzo. He's my favorite Muppet, and he's my favorite Muppet now. He's my favorite Muppet uh, now. He's earned that spot. <laughs> Now we get down to our last category. Uh, it's not a top five. We just, we're just going to call our best in show. Um, of the 24 episodes in the movie uh, that we watched for this season, what is the one thing that we consider the best thing that we watched? Nick, you're going to be able to guess mine. So what is yours? I'm pretty sure you can guess mine too. We've, we've been saving up for this, but I got to go with Harry Belafonte. Episode 314. Absolutely. It's a, it's a cohesive episode. It is like, it's weird that this exists in the same season as the Liberace episode because. They both do something similar to the format. The Liberace episode was an episode that happened to have the Muppets in it. The Belafonte episode was a Muppet Show episode, and it was an exemplary Muppet Show episode that completely integrated their guest. Well, like I said, I mean, he worked, he collaborated with them to do it. It's also telling that our only criticism of that episode is that it felt like it was too short. Our only criticism is we wished it was longer. 
So, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I knew going into the season this was going to be my number one. But uh, I couldn't deny it. I had to work really hard not to include it in multiple categories, but it's it's an amazing episode. It is. It's it's beautiful from start to finish, and probably um, if you were going to show one, if you were going to show a person one episode of the Muppet Show ever, this would be the one I would choose. Honorable mentions for me were um, three twenty three Robin Hood, mm-hmm. um, three hundred four with Gilda, uh, Alice Cooper. I had up as an honorable mention for a great episode. And I had Cheryl Ladd. That might be recency bias, but I really liked the Cheryl Ladd episode. She was good. She Like, the thing is, she closed out the season. She was a solid choice to do so. There are other guest stars that will linger in our memory a little bit longer than her episode will, but that doesn't mean that her episode wasn't exemplary. It just means that she's in the same season as Gilda Radner and Harry Belafonte. Um, the, the Robinette episode and Gilda definitely would have been up there. Um... Well, I'd also like to put the Muppet movie on there. The Muppet movie's great. I wasn't <laughs> sure if I could include that or not, because it, it feels like a separate category, but it was a lot of fun. And just with with the Best in Show 2, it gets a little hazy when you're also doing the, the favored guest stars, because part of that does factor in the full episode. And so outside of double dipping there and going back over some of my earlier choices, uh, it's definitely hairy, though. Oh, well, you know, you, you write a lot of stuff. No, not really. No, well, I write songs. Oh, yeah, they're terrific. Hey, how do you get ideas for all those songs? Well, they don't come easily. You have to get inspired. Mm. You like the song we're going to do next? Mm-hmm. I discovered that song in Africa. I was in a country called Guinea. And I went deep into the interior of the country. And in a little village, I met with a storyteller. And that storyteller went way back into African tradition and African mythology. We began to tell the story about the fire, Uh which means the sun, about the water, and about the earth. And he pointed out that all of these things put together turned the world around. And that all of us, we're here for a very, very short time. And in that time that we're here, there really isn't any difference in any of us if we were to take time out to understand each other. And uh, the question is, do I know who you are? Do you know who I am? Do we care about each other? Because if we do, together we can turn the world around. All right, so that's season three. Um, Thanks, Nick, for coming along with me for another season. (laughs) Um, uh, Sorry about the Spike Milligan thing. I'm blaming that on you entirely. That's Yeah, it's my fault. It was my idea, so... I, I led you on the road to having to watch the Spike Milligan episode. Easily the most offensive thing I've known. Actually, it's not. But No, it's, it's clearly not. Not by a long shot, but it's still bad. Uh, <laughs> it's, still, it's still pretty bad. Um, and uh, obviously, thanks to anyone who's been coming along with us and listening. Thank you for listening. And um, we will be back in about a month with uh, season four, which is hard to believe. But season four. In, a, in, a, in about a month um, It's a really good season It's got a, a personal favorite episode of mine Because we're going to get our um, We're going to get our special guest stars The stars of Star Wars If anyone knows anything about me That's going to be where my two universes collide Yeah, season 4 And um, I'm not 100% sure what we're going to talk about As like our movie um, But I think it might be John Denver and the Muppets At Christmas Together Which will be perfect to come out in like March It's uh, Christmas and Spring uh, so until season four, uh, I'm Chad. I'm Nick. 
thank you for listening to our season three. Go back to the mountain, turn the world around. Whoa, so is life. So is life. Whoa, so is life. So is life. Do you know who I am? Do I know who you are? See we one another clearly do we know who we are do you know who I am Feet of Lunatic Daring is written and produced by Chad J. Shonk and hosted by Chad J. Shonk and Nicholas Jackson. Music by Seth Podolitz. And a proud production of Antithesis Audio. So is Well, it's been such a great show that we can hardly bring ourselves to end it. And we all know who we have to thank for that. The scriptwriter. No, no, the, the guest star, buddy. And so thank you from all of us, Mr. Harry Balavante. Yes, the greatest group of singers I've ever worked with. The Muppets. Night all. Thank you. We'll see you next time on The Muppet Show. It's like... So is life. 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 So